Welcome to the Goshen News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me, in, as usual in the studio, is sports reporter Austin Huff. And also, on, on her vacation day, coming in to do our podcast is our producer, Sheila Selman. And she told me before we were on the air, she said she had to come in and make sure that Austin and I stayed in line mm-hmm. and under the guidelines of the policies of the Goshen News. So mm-hmm. she's yeah. in here to crack the whip on us. We're going to gonna call her straight line Sheila. She's keeping us on a straight <laughs> path line towards the goal of getting this podcast done in an efficient time um you know obviously without her leadership this thing would go like four hours every week probably so you know quite possibly yes you know we guess we got a lot to talk about it we we are now into the heart and soul of high school sports he's like we are here like we've we've we're in the postseason of girls golf we're halfway through football tennis all the other sports are coming up to their sectionals like here we go yeah Finally, Back. finally, we got really a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> That's, while you mentioned that, I'm going to go through the dates of the pairing shows that were released by the ISHA last Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night was the Unified Football Flag Draw. Yep. This Next Monday, the 28th at 7 p.m. is the boys' tennis draws, mm-hmm. followed by, at 8 p.m., the boys' and girls' soccer draws. Yeah. Then on Sat on uh, Sunday, October fourth is the volleyball sectional draw, and this is unusual. This Thursday, October eighth is the boys' football draw. Yeah, I cannot remember the boys' football draw ever being during the middle of the week before. It, it's kind of fun when like the draw is on a Sunday because like teams can get together and kind of watch it together, and maybe they're trying to avoid teams doing that this year by doing it no, on a Thursday. You know, but like you know, there's a lot of fun. Like you'll see it like when they do the broadcasts of these draws, like basketball or volleyball or you know wherever they oh tweet us in where you're at watching the draw you know like teams are at b-dubs or you know wherever and you know to get it together to watch yeah thursday night just feels odd like it feels like it's almost going to be like kind of buried away maybe they're trying to hide something this year maybe they're going to actually seed it you know properly and they're not they don't want people to know that no they're not going to do that no they're not going to seed it that's unfortunate that's really unfortunate because you're gonna get you're gonna get some of these sectionals like the one Northridge is in where there's five six really darn good teams and like Wallasey will play DeKalb in the first round and no offense to either team, Wallasey's better than the record states I think at least still, uh, but like you know they're the two worst teams air quote in that sectional and they're probably gonna play each other and you're gonna be left with the six good teams playing each other in hey. the first round. I mean, and, yep. you know I'm just saying like Leo shuts out. Shout out East Noble this past weekend. I think Leo deserves, you know, if they finish eight and one, they deserve to, you know, get a relatively easier opponent in week one. They don't they shouldn't have to play East Noble again in the first round. I'm just saying. That's a whole other story. Anyway. You know, we'll be here for two days on the podcast if we keep talking about we that. We need to have and a special and about Sheila the blind shaking, draw. Sheila's shaking her head Can we do there. a special episode of a, just about the blind draw? That'd be amazing. That'd be quality <laughs> radio or podcast audio. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Greg. We uh, had some interesting football games last mm-hmm. Friday night in the area. Yeah. You yeah. were at uh, you were up at Dunlap, Concord yeah. Goshen. Unfortunately, <laughs> as a go. Goshen coach Kyle Park, I think, was afraid of. The Redskins look like... Red Hawks. Red Hawks, I'm sorry. <laughs> old, I still, I still slip habits, back man. into my old high school days <laughs> once in a while here. Old habits die hard, I get it. And uh, unfortunately, they look like a team playing their first game of the year. After yeah. missing the first game of the year, playing the second week of the season, then taking two more weeks off due to a COVID exposure, mm-hmm. they just they could not move the ball on offense. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it forced it forced a lot of bad situations for the defense because Concord had the ball 13 times in that game. 13 possessions, eight of them started either at the 50-yard line or inside Goshen territory. Yeah. That's asking an awful lot of your defense to try to keep your team in the game. Right. When you do that to them, put them in those kind of positions. Right. As Coach Park said, they had their backs against the wall all night long. Right. And, you know, even even when Concord is, you know, kind of quote-unquote down for their standards, I know Coach Kaler has been said we're still a work-in-progress team. Even when they're a work-in-progress, they're still pretty darn good. They yeah. still got some guys on that both sides of the ball that are really talented. So it's a, it's a tough, you know, first-week opponent, which is what Goshen probably felt like they were playing, yeah. you know, having all those weeks off because of COVID and whatnot. Right. So. And even, even on Concord, their worst field position all night long was at their own 30-yard line. Right. Okay? And on that possession, they scored in two plays. <laughs> Hunter Dutton, their, their quarterback, hit a 27-yard pass play to Jack D'Arcy mm-hmm. to move the ball into Goshen territory to the Goshen 42. And on the next play, he hits Amari Moore down the sidelines for a 42-yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. So even when they had poor field position, right. they still were able to capitalize on it. Yeah, and, you know, Concord, like I said, they're they're still a good team. I and mean, they're 3-1 now in the season. Uh, with their one loss being to Northwood, who's proving to be very tough this year, especially on the defensive end, and we'll, we'll talk about them in a little bit here. Yeah. Um, you know, Concord, obviously, they're still in the thick of it for the NLC uh, race. There's a lot of good teams at the top there with Northwood, yeah. Concord, Warsaw, Northridge. I mean, there's really good, good top-heavy co- teams at the conference this year, and, you know, you can never kind of – I mean, Mishawaka has lost to – uh, lost, you know, their first conference game a couple weeks ago, but can't count them out either. Obviously, in the yeah. in the in the conference race. Um, so, and one thing that stood out for the Goshen defense, they in that game, even though they got beat thirty three to nothing, they still had seven tackles for losses on defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're finding ways to get through, get into the opponent's backfield, and throw right. the, throw the ball carries for losses. So. Well, they're going to have many chances for uh, tackles for loss against Warsaw because they run Warsaw the ball a hundred times night. a game. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be a tough. That's another tough matchup, man. I mean, Goshen. You know, when we were looking at their schedule before the season even, and I'm, we mentioned them in the podcast before they had all the COVID things pop up, and that they had that stretch there where it was going to be Northwood, Concord, or supposed to be Mishawaka first, then Northwood, then or Con- North, then Concord, then Warsaw. It's oh. like murderers row, yeah. You know, of the NLC, and now your your, your second week back is. You know Warsaw, who's very stout right now. They look very tough to beat, and then you're going to go play Northridge, who's well, also very tough. To, they're looking, yeah, it's it's a tough schedule for Goshen. I mean, well, there there are no off nights in the NLC. There aren't. There really aren't. In it's fact, a, that was that was one of Coach Park's comments last year when I talked to him about a story for Mishawaka coming in to replace Elkhart Memorial Conference. Mm-hmm. He said, all, all we're doing is getting rid of one grinder and replacing them with another. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a tough conference, especially like I mentioned. There's only eight teams in it, and I rattled off four that are all really good at the top, and then Mishawaka is still there you know, as the fifth team. Hey, that, that's a really good fifth team. Like, the Cavemen won their first NLC game Friday night they down did. At, at Plymouth. They, they beat. beat they beat the, the uh, Rockies thirty nine to thirty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're. I mean, that's that's you know a lot of teams. Obviously, they still have to play each other, right? Uh, in the conference, but I'm pretty sure that's like three or four or five teams right there with only one loss or no losses in conference. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> that's incredible, and, you know, to look at. Mishawaka may have had a little extra incentive in that game mm-hmm. Friday night. I found out about this reading another paper in the area. 
One of their players, Jacob Bush, was injured in a car motorcycle accident on on August the 4th. He was pretty seriously injured in the crash. In fact, his father died in the crash. Wow. His father was driving the motorcycle and was killed in the crash. He'd been a firefighter in the city of South Bend since the year 2000, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. He was at, uh, Jacob, the young man, was actually at the game Friday night on the sidelines at the start of the game briefly with his mm-hmm. teammates. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. <clears throat> That's pretty cool, yeah. You love hearing those types of stories and seeing those kind of emotional kind of moments and things like that. So, yeah. so that yeah. might have given them a little extra incentive. Yeah. Yeah, and they got the win, and obviously, uh, I believe that was their first win of the season. It was also well. their first win of the season, right? Yes. They're one and three, one and oh, one and one in conference play because they, they lost the Goshen game, of course, uh, which is tough, obviously, because of COVID. But yeah, so again, NLC, man, it's really interesting this year, and uh, they there's some good teams, there's some really good teams. So, yeah, uh, a couple, couple teams that could win sectional titles. Or, or even more than that this year. You know, you look at that, uh, mm-hmm. look at them. So, uh, I'd like to kind of shift to the game I was at on Friday night. Fair, yeah, well, Fairfield. Uh, you forgot at, to signal that turn, by the way. Yeah, I've, returning, right, <laughs> to Fair, down to Ligonier. Uh, Fairfield beats West Noble 41-6. to um, Falcons... Are now four and zero on the season. That was their first win in the Northeast Corner Conference, one and zero in the Big Division, and they looked, uh, you know, they looked really impressive. Uh, this is a team that runs that triple option offense, and they will kill you with it if they have to. Oh yeah, they are not. I think uh, their quarterback Corey Lance had three official passes. He dropped back three times. He didn't throw the ball three times. He dropped back. The first time he dropped back, he got sacked. And that was in like late in the second quarter. And I think they were like, we're not going to throw the ball the rest of the game, basically. And so he threw officially two pass attempts, for one for two for seven yards. Um, and they will just triple option you to death. And uh, Matt Thacker, the head coach, couldn't talk enough about his quarterback, Lance. 140 rushing yards, four touchdowns in the game mm-hmm. Friday night. Um, he just said, man, he's getting it. That's what his quote was like, man. He's starting to figure it out. You know, after we, you know, pressed him for his first year to pull the ball out, pull the ball out on those options, like you could take it, like trying to force him to run the ball. Now he's almost taking it out too much, but obviously he's, it's working. Um, so he just said, you know, he has complete control of the offense. He's calling calling the play at the line of scrimmage half the time. Like he's really in control of this team. And I tell you what, like, they're 4-0, like I said, they're undefeated, and they play that offensive style, which is not easy to prepare for in a week. I mean, that's triple option. It's a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. For a defense, you have to stay in your lanes. If you bite you know, on yeah, any of it, you're done. You're, you're toast. Yeah. That is an offense that is, like I said, it's tough to beat. You have to be really good to beat that offense when it's clicking like that. Well, not, and like yeah. we talked about before, we came on the podcast here. I covered Fairfield a couple weeks ago when they played Fremont. Mm-hmm. And Thacker was talking about that offense, and he said his fullback, Carter Abramson, mm-hmm. he said, you have to respect him on the dive play. Yeah. He said, if you don't, he said, I'm going to keep giving the ball. He'll get he'll get three, four, five mm-hmm. yards every time he touches it. Mm-hmm. We're going to go down the field and <laughs> score. He says, I don't care if it takes us nine minutes to do it. He said, yeah. we're going to score. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are willing to just grind you down, and they don't care about it. It's like they enjoy it almost. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, I, I know I know in their sectional, we, we talked about it last week, Eastside is very good, and they're ranked. But if Fairfield runs their offense the way they've ran it so far this season, that is an offense that could get them a sectional championship. I'm not going to outright predict it. It's too early to outright make predictions on that, but... I would not be surprised if Fairfield is able to win that sectional purely because their offense is so hard to game plan for in a week's time, and it just requires so much discipline. And like you said, they're willing to run it down your throat three four yards at a time, and they don't care. They'll take nine minutes off the clock. They almost want that to happen. You know what I mean? So don't sleep on the Falcons. That's all I'm saying. They, They could be... They could be interesting come postseason time. That's going to be a tough team, especially when it gets colder and you don't want to really tackle anybody because it's cold and you're going to hurt. You know, it's a perfect offense for that yeah. weather. So I, I believe it was Lou Holtz one time when he was coach at Notre Dame made the remark that our our best defense is keeping the opponent opponent's offense on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and they're so all- if you keep the ball away from the opposing team. That's yeah. a pretty darn good defense. And that's what Fairfield has done so far in their three, four games. And you see their final scores. I mean, 57 nothing over Osceola, 32-6 over Central Noble, 44-13 over Fremont, and 41-6 over West Noble. I mean, that's not fluky. I know their competition maybe is not been as great, and they're going to get a big test this week against Angola. You know, this, is, yes. this, this will basically determine who wins the NECC big division this year, I, I think. Um, you know, and... This is uh, probably the biggest regular season game under Matt Thacker uh, in his third year at Fairfield. I, you know, obviously probably. they played in a sectional championship game last year. It's like that's obviously a bigger game, but this is definitely their biggest regular regular season, season game. It's at Angola. You know, it, this is a true test for North Fairfield. We're we're gonna find out where they are, like truly this week. I think. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm excited. And, I hope they I hope they play well because they're they're kind of fun and it's it's fun to root for them because of where they were two years ago, just how bad it was, and for for Thacker to completely turn this program around in three seasons, it's really remarkable to watch. It yeah. really is. So yeah. I, I'm happy for Matt. He's a good guy, and uh, you, you cheer for people like you know we're not we're not supposed to cheer as media members, but you know as a human being, I cheer for guys like Matt Thacker. You know, I know we're not allowed to have souls as journalists, but you know, you feel for people like that. So, yeah. And you never, you never know. Angola might have shown last week that they have some chinks in their armor because they had their hands full with Lakeland for most of that game last week. As we talked about again before the podcast, it was twenty-one twenty-one at halftime. Yeah. And Angola was up 28-21 going in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah, that was a game I thought would be you know like. 50 to nothing, right? Because Lakeland hasn't really shown much yeah. all season. But, hey, when you got your starting quarterback back, it's amazing how much better you look, you know, on offense. And Lakeland hung in there with Colton Isaacs at quarterback. and uh, He ran for over 100 yards, passed for 150. Right, three total touchdowns I so. saw. So, yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, like, I said, like you said, like maybe Angola isn't what we think they are or what they usually are. I know last year was a down year for them, but – Traditionally, in the last decade or so, Angola has been very strong. So, yeah. won a couple sectional titles, you know, over Northwood for two years there. Uh, so, yeah, they, you know, again, big test for Fairfield. You know, if they win that game against Angola, I mean, the sky's the limit, I think, for them. That, that, that could be a 
dangerous team come come October, late October. Yeah, whenever they start the playoffs, mid October. Sure. Late October. <laughs> mid to late October. Yeah. Sometime in the tenth month of the year. How about that? <laughs> there you go. That, there we go. So that that narrows down and also leaves it open ended. But that's that's what I do. That's what I do. So and another game in the area that uh, was a real thriller was uh, the Elkhart Lions proved they are evidently for real this year. They mm. proved a four and with a twenty to nineteen win over the Penn Kingsman. How about that, huh? And Ron Paulus the third quarterback for the Penn Kingsman threw a 67 led a 67 yard scoring drive scored with one second to go in the game and Penn coach Corey Oman you got to give him credit for this on the road it was at Ricefield and Elkhart he went for the win mm-hmm. and didn't they didn't get the two-point conversion so they ended up losing by a point yeah. I admire the uh the gutsiness you know yep. I admire that uh yeah Elkhart 4-0, they've, they've won games by, you know, 60, they've won games by one. You know, they're showing that they can win it. They can beat the teams they're supposed to beat, right? They kind of took it to South Bend, Washington yeah. last week. Uh, and then, you know, that's a that's a big win for Elkhart. You know, this it's, is... It's actually, and we, we, I talked about this a little bit last week, and I'd have been wrong mm-hmm. because I said I would bet that there was a good possibility that Elkhart had a winning record against Penn before they split into Central Memorial back mm-hmm. in the 70s. And I would have been wrong. I would have <laughs> lost that bet because actually they never played yeah. when Elkhart was one high school. Because Penn started, Penn started playing football in 1958. And they did not play, I believe they played Memorial in 1975. That was the first time they met one of the Elkhart schools after mm-hmm. they uh, had divided me. So there was no competition actually between them. This was actually the first time an Elkhart team has beaten Penn in football. Right. I heard it was like 55 or something in a row. Penn, 55 well, straight wins over an Elkhart school, whether it be Memorial or Central. I, this, this is courtesy of my friend Chuck Freebie. When I was watching the mm-hmm. replay of the game on WHME 46 Friday night after I got home from my game, Penn had a 79-3 and record against Central and Memorial. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Since they split into school, two schools, yeah. That feels, uh, feels like winning percentage is very high. Very high very winning high. percentage, yeah. Very so, high. So, yeah, I mean, the Lions are making noise in their first year. Uh, coach Josh Shattuck was named Coach of the Week by, by the, the Indianapolis Indian- Colts. Yeah, that's morning. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, like every great head coach, he gave a lot of credit to his assistants and the program around him on Twitter uh, when, you know, receiving the honor. You never really see head coaches ex- be like, yeah, go me, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, big win for them. So. And the Lions are ranked number six in the 6A poll, the mm-hmm. new one that came out today. They're making noise. They're making noise. And uh, they're going to be you- an interesting follow the rest of the season. I mean, so. Also, are you trying to say the Lions are roaring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're roaring, all right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Sorry, folks, that was a bad pun, but I, yep. I couldn't resist it. Anyway, let's put a bow on the football talk. A couple more uh, NLC games I wanted to hit up. Um, Warsaw, finally, Northridge finally got scored on. Um, Warsaw beat them 27-14. Yes. to 14, And the most Bart Curtis scoring drive of all time happened in that game. 19 plays, 9 minutes and 58 seconds off the clock, and the Tigers still scored on the Raiders. Just... Pure Bart Curtis, triple option, you know, running on the clock, offense, gorgeous. If Warsaw and Fairfield played each other in a game, it would be over in 45 minutes. 
even though there's 60 minutes of game time, technically. So it would be over in 45 minutes. They'd find a way. They would find a way. I don't. I don't think Bart Curtis has ever met a pass that he liked. Don't. <laughs> if Bart Curtis and Matt Thacker went to dinner, it would be done in ten minutes. Let's just say that it would be like, probably they're going to order like a side, and that's it. They're like, we're going to we're done. So yeah, uh, you know, Northridge. It, it's tough when because the NLC obviously has a lot of range in terms of like Warsaw is a six A school, and Northridge is a four A school. So it is tough in that sense. Uh, I think the Raiders, you know, hung in there as well as they could. Warsaw, obviously, is proving to be very tough this year. Um, just that's kind of who they are most most years, um, at least under Curtis. So I don't think I take. I don't. I don't feel like if you're a Northridge fan, you should feel bad or anything. Like it's a tough game, obviously tough loss, but you know you're still in good position. I feel like in 4A in that sectional. Yeah, we're gonna learn a lot about them this week too. I mean, I feel like I said that about a lot of teams, but. Northridge playing Northwood yeah. in Napanee Friday night. That's those are two teams in the same sectional, right? Like you're gonna like this is this is the proving ground here of like okay, is where are Northridge and Northwoods at right now currently because they're playing each other and they're gonna be in the sectional in two weeks or four weeks from now and things like that. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting game I think this Friday Very in Napanee. Yeah. So especially after Northwood shut out Wallasey, thirty nine nothing. I thought that was kind of an eye raising. Score, um, and you had a little interesting factoid about that. Yeah, for this that. this kind of surprised me. I looked it up for my uh, Friday Night Rewind story in yesterday's paper. That's Northwood's first shutout since the second week of the 2018 season. Mm-hmm. Broke a streak of 23 games in a row. Yeah, their last shutout was a <clears throat> sorry Fairfield fans. It was a 71 nothing win over Fal. Fairfield in the week two of the mm-hmm. 2018 season. Yeah, you subjected me to covering that game. I think it was some sort of like torture for my like initiation process, like in a frat. You know, like, yeah, that was, was my first year covering high school football here, and uh, you sent me out there first year under Matt Thacker. And Northwood was number one in 4A with Bronson Yoder and you know Mr. Football finalist, and uh, Yoder didn't even play the whole first quarter. Technically, they were up 35 <laughs> nothing, and they intercepted a pass with like three seconds left in the first quarter, and they pulled Bronson Yoder out of the game. So he did not technically play the full first quarter. They were up 35 nothing. So I just I, – I, I don't know what you were thinking. I, again, just initiation process. You just wanted to make me really suffer my first year in Goshen. So, you know, job – you know, <laughs> mission accomplished, I guess. Wow. So mission accomplished, but uh, no. I guess Sheila is the only one that cracks the whip around here, huh? <laughs> No, no, but yeah, that, I didn't. I didn't even realize that with Northwood, and I'm telling you what, man, they only gave up 15 to East Noble in their first game. They held Concord to six, shuts out Wawasee. Man, that defense is looking real good. Don't don't sleep on them either. I, I feel like I said about every team right now, but like that, you know, that's why. I, <clears throat> excuse me. That's why I was surprised. The- the Black Crunch defense, which mm-hmm. Northwood's defense is called, had went that long without shutting somebody out. Right. And now you got this game with Northridge coming up on Friday where, you know, Northridge <laughs> had shot shut out its first three opponents. Northwood just posts a shutout and they haven't they probably given up like 10, 12 points a game this so far this year. Like first one to twelve on Friday wins. <laughs> I mean, it might be something like a twelve ten game. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Could be. You know what I mean? So it, it I guess it, the both defenses are very strong for these teams. It's going to probably be low scoring, 
which of course then means it'll be 45-42. We'll, we'll see if he complains about this one on next week's podcast because that's the game I'm sending him to. No, Friday no, night. it's going to be a good game. I got a feeling it's going to be a good game. If it's not a good game, then it's definitely your fault, of course. Um, but if it's a good game, then it's also your fault, kind of, for it being a good game. Oh. You get credit for it being a good game. How about that? Okay. So, All yes. Right. Anyway, should be an interesting week of games. Uh, you know, like I said, Fairfield at Angola is a big game for Fairfield. Northwood, Northridge, uh, Goshen at Warsaw. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> here we go, right? Like, yeah. we're in week six, and uh, we're getting closer to the postseason, and doesn't feel like it, but we're almost, you know, we're almost there. We're four weeks away from sectionals beginning. Yeah. How about that? So Speaking of the postseason, we had a couple of girls' golf teams win the sectionals. We did. Friday afternoon or morning, whatever it was, <laughs> the uh, Concord won the East Noble sectional. Mm-hmm. And then on Saturday, the Northwood girls won the Warsaw sectional down at Stonehenge in yeah. Winona Lake. Yeah, it's uh, Northwoods. So. Northwoods, I believe, uh, I don't know, I forgot how many sectionals they've won now, but I think it's a fifth straight they've won. Obviously, they've been a very successful program yeah. the last however many years under Adam Yoder. Um, but Concord, it was their first sectional since 2002. So, and they obviously, um, they've had, they had some couple of girls transfer in that are playing really well for them. Actually, both their transfers were co medalists at the sectionals. At the sectional, week. yeah. Bell Brunner and Brooke Watson both shot 74, which is really impressive. I mean, that's good. Those are obviously very good scores. Um, I, I'm happy to shoot that on the front nine of a course. So, you know. Uh, for 18 hole, 74, very impressive. So now, now it's where it gets fun. I I think this is going to be a very interesting regional they're in, over at Noble Hawk in uh, Kendallville, mm-hmm. and that's on Saturday morning. And uh, Northwood, if you're going to go by the coaches' rankings, which was the last end of the regular season coaches' rankings, the three teams that are favored, quote air quote, Homestead, Concord, Northwood. Right, those would be the three if, if the rankings hold true. Right. Which, you know, obviously it, it might not. It probably won't because, <laughs> that you know, it's golf and it's sports and what? things are, you know. Are you saying it's seeded and it's not going to work out? You can't really seed a golf tournament. <laughs> you know what I mean? You really can't seed a golf tournament, you know. Not like uh, a better tee time is going to help. Well, it might help sometimes. But yeah. you, know, you can't predict Mother Nature. Weather anyway, conditions can change in a hurry on a any, golf course. Right. Anyway. Homestead feels like they're going to get through. They're the defending state champs. Their their scores are pretty remarkable. Like if they don't go through, there's something happened. Like you know. Yeah. So, um, and actually, one advantage Northwood may have in the fact that they came out of that, that sectional at Stonehenge, and Stonehenge is a very tough golf course. Right. Well, Noble Hawk's not. Too, I know Adam Yoder said it, it's a little more forgiving Noble Hawk than uh, than Stonehenge, but also Noble Hawk isn't. It's a tough course too, so like there's a reason why it's the regional course. So right, but there is potential history here on the line. Um, I looked this up this morning in preparation for our podcast because I like to prep, do some prep once in a while, make Sheila happy. Um, if Northwood and Concord both get out, which is very realistic, they could both definitely get out of this regional. It will be the first time in NLC history that two teams will go to state. Uh, in the same year from the conference. So, 
A lot of history on the that line. Would, that would be interesting. A lot of history. So there's been a couple times where it's been close. I have. Uh, I actually was tracking it a little bit earlier this year, earlier today, like I said, doing my prep, um, where like in the mid-2000s, you had Plymouth and Warsaw kind of alternating appearances. Warsaw went 03, 04, 05, Plymouth 06, and 07, Warsaw or oh nine like they they all kind of like alternated there and then in the 2010s it's been Northwood has gone four times in the decade where worse and then Wallace C went in 2014 so they just missed by a year where they both could go um so yeah it, it would be pretty cool I mean you know to have two teams from this area go down is Obviously, it's never happened in NLC history. It's pretty rare in general. You know, if you get an NECC team down there like Fairfield, you know, like Lakeland Westall will have never gone. Fairfield's only gone once or twice. So, mm-hmm. it, it could be kind of cool. It could be historic uh, this Saturday. And, uh, you know, with players like, you know, Brunner, Watson, uh, Sybil Stilson for Northwood, Bree Goss for Northwood, I mean, you shoot. They could all shoot low and go. You know. So that was one of. The, I think that was one of the biggest surprises I saw from Adam in his email about the uh, the sectional results down there. Sybil Stilson was the medalist, and she's the first two time sectional medalist in Northwood history. Yeah. And you consider some of the good golfers they've had over the years. <laughs> that, mean, that surprised me a little bit. Gina Yoder won a state championship as an individual. You know, like, how is she not? You know, it, it's kind of crazy to think that yeah. she's the first. Gina was back in the early days of girls golf. Right. In fact. Way back in the 1970s. I think when she started her high school career, she actually played on the boys team right. at Northwood because they did not have a girls team. Right. Because uh, I know, obviously, Title IX was in 1972. So that's probably when girls golf and girls sports were finally being played in at least sanctioned in the I Indiana under the IHSAA. Um, so yeah, I believe Gina Yoder won in 1974, or 1976. It was uh, one of those, one of those years. I don't think it was I that a, long ago. I wrote a story about it, you know, last year and I already forgot. So it's tells you my memory, my memory. Qual- I should probably take some medicine for that or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that kind of got off the track. A little I don't bit there. think they have that kind of medicine. No well. memory medicine. Yeah. They got to have it somewhere. But you know, when you talk anyway, about Gina Yoder, right. Heidi Morgenthaler, right? Uh, Summer Stilson. I was surprised he didn't even have her on right. the list for being a sectional medalist. L- Lindsay Richner, yeah. you know, won a sectional. Uh, but yeah, Sybil's won it two years in a row. She's only a junior, so you got to think she's going to be the favorite to win it again next year. Yeah, uh, she is probably the greatest girls golfer in the program history you know if she wins a state championship then it solidifies it for sure obviously um well, you know you just said gina won a right uh, gina won a state title so you can't deny that you know it's gina and sybil i think at this point are the top yeah. two players in program history and uh you know sybil's only a junior so like again she's got another year and you know even if Northwood doesn't go as a team you got to feel somewhat confident that sybil will go as an, she's individual. Go as an individual right she's yeah. she probably will uh, barring again anything crazy you never know it's golf and mother nature and things like that could happen right where the wind all of a sudden picks up and it's blowing in your face no matter which direction you go and you shoot an 80 you know right. so it's possible it, you never know it's it's a it's a frustrating game uh you know not talking from personal experience of course oh of course uh, <laughs> but of course not yeah i think it's going to be pretty cool it could be really cool on saturday if you see both get out i think that'd be a lot of fun and uh you know uh yeah should be it should be an interesting because uh, you feel confident homestead will take a spot and then it's concord northwood penn columbia city and fort wayne carroll that are kind of the other five 
jockeying for those two yeah, you final spots. Basically, got five teams competing for the other right. two playoff spots. And uh, of course, all six of those programs are uh, teeing off together in the second set of uh, the day, the second, like the third and the fourth tee times. So yeah. conveniently positioned all next to each other, so everyone will know what their the others are doing. You know, as they're playing. So, you know, yeah. I like that. I like that. I like that little drama. You oh, okay. Know? Mm-hmm. All right. So. And, uh, to, not to switch subjects, but to go back to football a little bit here. There was some news over the weekend and yesterday out of South Bend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Notre Dame beat South Florida by a lot, so we don't have to really talk about the game. Uh, other than Jack Kaiser, Mr. Indiana from 2018, had a great game. Pioneer High School. Yeah, little Royal Center, Indiana. One stoplight doesn't probably work. And, uh, you know. The only other person I know of that graduated from Pioneer High School is a guy that used to be a part-time sports writer here. He's now a pastor in the area. John Drexler is his name. Mm -hmm. He would always come back from, from a Friday night football game, no matter where we sent him. And the first thing he would ask me is, how did Pioneer do tonight? What was their score? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so Jack Kaiser played great in an emergency start. Um, he said he didn't know he was starting until Saturday morning. Makes eight tackles, two for loss, and gets the game ball. So not bad of a not a bad first start. Not a bad start. career start. Yeah. Why was he making an emergency start, you ask? Well, <laughs> Notre Dame, before the game, announced that eight players on their depth chart were not going to be available for the game. Uh with only one of them, safety Kyle Hamilton, having a known injury. Uh, he did not play because of an ankle injury. So that left a lot of speculation of why are these other seven guys not playing? Well, we kind of got some confirmation, but not official confirmation, Monday when Notre Dame announced that in their testing from last week, four players tested positive for COVID-19 and six were in contact tracing. <laughs> so 10 total players were either in isolation or in quarantine. So those 10 players will not be able to play this week. The ACC has protocols in place where if you're in quarantine, you must stay in for 10 days, and isolation is 14 days. So those two players, those 10 players cannot play this week. There is a 99% chance that those seven players on the depth chart that missed this past week were probably tested, were probably part of that 10. Yeah. So I, I would be stunned. I feel like we would have heard something else if they was right. So, and uh, according to Pete Thamel from Yahoo Sports, Notre Dame is not practicing today, Tuesday, uh, because of this. Um, Notre Dame usually releases a depth chart on Mondays. They did not release a depth chart. They were said they were going to release it today, Tuesday, and they still have not released their depth chart for today. So. Who knows? Um, you know, their game against Wake Forest on Saturday is still tentatively scheduled uh, to happen. So, we'll see. Um, but, obviously, they showed that they have a lot of depth because they played against South Florida. I know I know South Florida is not great by any stretch, but 52 nothing. you know, with seven guys or three guys making their first starts ever and a lot of inexperience yeah. at other spots. Nothing to sneeze at. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this tracks the rest of the week, if Notre Dame's game is still going to happen or not. Um, they have a bye week next week. I don't know if Wake Forest has a bye week next week either, but in theory, if 
Notre Dame has to cancel this game, and Wake has an off week the following week. Maybe they could just play it October 3rd and just take this week off. Who knows? Who knows? So, uh, a lot of it's, things are still up in the air, of course. It's 2020, so everything's up in the air. It's kind of like we talked about the word of this year is adaptability. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to adjust to changes and rapidly. Yeah. Yep. So, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Notre Dame hasn't put anything official out yet as of the taping of this podcast because we usually get done taping and something happens so or it happens right before we tape it's like every time man this this one o'clock time slot to tape this podcast it's just kills you know like brian kelly did call me and ask me when we tape our podcast because he said mm -hmm. i want to release something after austin's done talking about us absolutely yeah i mean of course i I I think it was purely a coincidence that he wanted to know that i know you and brian are very close so (laughs) i I understand that you want to uh take that so yeah anyway oh by the way uh sheila sheila selman looking it up for us Jeannie yoder won the state championship in 1988 88. What okay. was I thinking about from 1976? I was thinking about someone else. Maybe I was thinking of Wawasee track for some reason. Because uh, girls track and field I think one. Lorraine Spearman did win a state championship. A couple of them about that I time. I think 76 is sticking out in my head because of uh, something from our, probably from our goat bracket over the summer. Like, Could sp- be. It was actually technically in the spring <laughs> that we did yeah, that bracket. Yeah. But everything after March 13th is basically the summer in my brain. Yeah. Until now. So, but yeah. Okay. Well... And We're gonna, uh, yeah. one, one thing before we sign off here, I want to give our thoughts and prayers out to the family of Damon Bailey, mm-hmm. great high school basketball player. You, you know, you think about Indiana high school basketball, you think about Damon Bailey. Mm-hmm. His parents were involved in a automobile motorcycle accident again, multiple vehicles, I guess is what the police report said. Mm-hmm. Last night down in Brown County, his dad, Wendell uh, Bailey, died at the scene. And his mother, Beverly Bailey, was airlifted with serious injuries to a hospital. And yeah. as of the, before checking on the podcast here, there were no further update on her. Yeah. Obviously, very but, sad, very yeah. sad news. Um, you know, uh, I obviously, I wasn't alive when Damon Bailey was playing in high school, but I wrote that story about Concord, the 1990 Concord team earlier this year. So I watched... Yeah, a lot of that that state championship game where Damon Bailey scored, you know, the final eight points, and just watching how people talked about Damon Bailey, that reaction when he won, and the you know all the post game hoopla and all that stuff, right? You could just tell how much he was a, a I think they called him a cult like hero, like, and he wasn't even he like he was still playing. You know what I mean? It was like a really strange like this. It was like a, a almost like a mythical character. That Damon Bailey was well, you know, when when Bob Knight, the former IU re- coach, is recruiting you, and tells his players on his varsity team at Indiana University that Damon Bailey, as an eighth grader, is a better guard than any of his guards <laughs> on his basketball team. Right, that's going to give you some right. credibility and put right. you up there on the cult level. Yeah, like he was this living legend. Yeah, literally a living legend in Indiana at that time. Um, yeah, so obviously, you know. Uh, thoughts and prayers, obviously, to Damon Bailey and his entire family. Yeah. Uh, just, it's so sad. I mean, anytime you hear about anyone, you know, dying, obviously, it's very sad. And just, you know, car accidents, you know, yeah, just terrible, yeah. terrible stuff. So. Yeah. And one last thing, my, my baseball facts for the day here. I've facts? actually got two of Plural. them today. I actually have two of them today. On this date, uh, 
September 22nd, 1983, Steve Carlton recorded his 300th pitching win in the major leagues Okay, versus the St. Louis Cardinals. He actually went on to win 329 games in his career. Mm-hmm. And also on this date in 2001, okay. Alex Rodriguez hit his 48th home run of the season to break Ernie Banks' career record for home runs by a shortstop. Wow. That's actually interesting. So when we do the trivia contest at the end of the season, Sheila, it'll be which day featured two baseball facts. We'll make it easy for you. So yeah, September you 20, we, we September, don't ask you to remember which facts, just sep- when September we did two. September 22nd, so. two facts. Think about that. Two, two, two. Okay? Think about that. Do you remember 22nd day of September when we recorded the podcast? Okay? There you go. <laughs> and Sheila, Sheila can't is, keep it together. Sheila's... <laughs> About to lose it over there because Austin's singing on the podcast here. I don't. I will not try to sing the high pitched notes. That's good. All right, I think on that, folks. Though we better uh, conclude this po- Please podcast. Wrap and, uh, <laughs> Please <folks> wrap it up. <laughs> tune in for another podcast. I promise you, Austin will not be singing next week. Oh, no promises. 